Thank you, Lord. What a wonderful God we serve, amen? I'll tell you. How many were here on Friday? Let me see your hands if you're here on Friday. Wow, we had, we had a full house on Friday because there's only about, uh, of the BCM, I think there's only four of us that have a service on Good Friday. So uh, we have a lot of visitors, and it was a wonderful time uh, on Good Friday as we worship together. <clears throat> and um, on Friday, uh, we had an awesome day, and uh, it was a great Great celebration. But you know, today is a great day too. Do you know why it's a great day today? It's Rick Meddy's birthday today. All right, hear me. It's Rick Meddy's birthday today. Uh, I'd, I'd say that he was born on Easter Sunday, but it keeps moving around, so I don't know if that's really true or not. But he's celebrating it today on Easter Sunday. Can we just sing happy birthday to Rick this morning? Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Rick. Happy birthday to you. That's awesome. Amen. Amen. I was talking to Rick earlier. He said, you know, it's my birthday today. I said, I know. <laughs> he looked at me shocked like, you know, pastor knew it was my birthday. Uh, but uh, I have informants everywhere. So I, I know what's going on all the time. Praise the Lord. Well, you know, Friday was Friday. Today is Sunday. Everybody, t- today's Sunday. And uh, today I decided I wanted to call the message. Friday was powerless without Sunday. If you are here on Friday, you'll know that I, I, I talked about how there's no Sunday without Friday, right? I talked about the path of the resurrection is the path of death, and how Friday is the path to Sunday, and how there is a good Friday for all of us. That the day we come to Christ is the day that we actually die, not the day that we, you know, our body expires, but the day we come to Christ, we die to our own self-interest, our own desires, and we give our life to Christ. And it's not our will, but your will be done. The prayer of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. But today, I want to move on from that. And I want to talk to, that, to you and tell you that that was Friday. But Friday is meaningless and powerless without Sunday. If, if Jesus came and he died on the cross, but he didn't raise from the dead, then he's just another dude died on the cross. And the Romans put a lot of people on the cross. I mean, Jesus didn't even die alone the day he was crucified. He had one on either side right? So you have to keep in mind that, you know, uh, death on the cross was not particularly unique experience in Roman culture. It was their way of dealing with their worst villains. And so Jesus did not die alone. He died on the cross, and he was just another guy dying on the cross if there was no resurrection Sunday. But because there's a resurrection Sunday, it validated everything he did on Friday, and Friday has meaning and has power because of Resurrection Sunday. Amen? And so we celebrate today that Christ has risen. On Good Friday, we saw that, that Easter Sunday was, like I said, only significant because of what took place on Friday. But today we celebrate that Friday was powerful and meaningful because of what happened today. Amen? So we need to ask ourselves, well, what's so significant about the resurrection. And you have to understand, this was, this is huge. This is so huge that Paul spends an entire chapter dealing with it about, because there were some people going around saying there was no such thing as the resurrection, that uh, there, Jesus didn't raise from the dead or it's not important. And Paul, in writing his letter to the Corinthians, he takes an entire chapter to deal with the resurrection. 
because it was that important. And I'm going to put some scripture up on the screen here this morning. And I'm going to let Paul do the talking. All right? I'm going to let Paul do the talking for this huge chunk of scripture. And, but I, put, I, could, I was going to cut parts out, but it was just all so significant, I decided to put it all up here. So bear with me this morning. But starting in verse 3 of chapter 15, listen to what Paul says. For I delivered to you first of all that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scripture. Good Friday. And that he was buried, and that he rose again on the third day, today, according to the scriptures. And that he was seen by Cephas, which is Peter, and then by the twelve. And after that he was seen by over 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remained to the present. But some have fallen asleep, some have died. After that he was seen by James, then by all the apostles. Then last of all, he was seen by me also as by one born out of due time. In other words, he's saying, I wasn't even one of the original apostles, uh, and yet Jesus appeared to me, right? He goes, for I am the least of the apostles who am not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God which was within me. Therefore, whether it was I or they, so we preach, and so you believed. Okay? Now, if Christ is preached, and this is the core of his message, if Christ is preached that he has not been raised from the dead, how do... Uh, sorry, that he has been raised from the dead, then how do some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty and your faith is also empty. Yes, and we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he did not raise up if in fact the dead do not rise. For if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ has not risen, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. In other words, Jesus' sacrifice on the cross accomplished nothing if he didn't raise from the dead. You're still in your sins. Then also those who have fallen asleep or those who have died in Christ have perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most pitiable. Paul's trying to drive home the fact that if if, if all we have is just a hope for something a little better here... And we're making all these sacrifices and going through all this persecution and all the rest of it for the sake of something that is not true and there's nothing beyond. He said, we're to be pitied above all men. It's kind of a depressing sermon so far. But there's always a but, right? How many can thank the Lord for great big buts, right? There's there's one right here, a gigantic but now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have died or fallen asleep. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. But each one in his own order, Christ the first fruits, afterward those who are Christ at his coming. Then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father, when he puts an end to all rule and all authority and all power. He must, for he must reign till he has put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that will be destroyed is death. Now I want to move ahead to verse 42. So also in the resurrection of the dead, the body is sown in corruption, it is raised 
in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. And so it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. Oh, man. Paul's preaching now, let me tell you. He says, now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption. This mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption and this mortal put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin and the, the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. That is a lot of scripture. But did you get what Paul was trying to get across to us here this morning? He was expounding on the fact that without the resurrection, without Jesus raising triumphantly from the grave, that our faith is meaningless. So when people come to you and they try to tell you that, well, the real purpose isn't that Jesus rose from the dead, because we all know that can't happen. The real purpose is that somebody came and taught us a better way to live. Someone gave us a better example. Someone showed us what sacrifice is all about. That's what we really should focus on when we read the Bible. Wrong. Paul says, if that's all you're focusing on, then guess what? You're still in deep caca. Right? He said, if Jesus didn't raise from the dead, we're still in our sin. So you're saying to me, you actually believe that they put him in the grave and he rose from the dead. Yes. Don't you? And then Paul goes on to talk about what happened when he rose from the dead. So first he, he explains that we have no faith. We have no uh, uh, position of faith if we don't have a risen Savior. But then he goes on to talk about what happened when Jesus rose from the dead. That he wasn't just, you know, reversing his, his, his experience. But instead, he, he was raising to a new type of being. The Bible calls him the first fruits. Everybody say first fruits. You saw that word repeatedly in there. That means the first of many fruit to come. What's the fruit to come? Us. Jesus was the first among us. That when we die, we raise to a new kind of existence, the same as Jesus. Now that's good stuff right there. So what are the, there's two main things that I want to focus on in that passage that, that, that Paul so powerfully preached in the scriptures. The restoration of immortality through the resurrection. So we were restored to being these immortal beings who would have a divine, eternal nature again that would live in health and power when Jesus rose from the dead. How many have ever heard of the Terrasem movement? Have you ever heard of it? Anybody? No one's heard of the Terrasem movement? I'm not surprised. Uh, it's, it's a research foundation that is trying to... to a transfer human consciousness into artificial intelligence. You're saying, wow, there's dudes actually trying to do that? Yes, they are. And, and 
What they're working on is they're hoping to make copies of us because they believe that humanity is going to evolve into some kind of thing where we are part machine and part, uh, you know, human intelligence. So they're working now. Their first phase is they're trying to create thousands of highly detailed mind clones. So they're recording the memories, the values, the attitudes, and all these things of different specific people. I imagine it costs quite a bit of money if you want to get this done. And then using the data, the scientists create a replica of, of your life, either in holographic form or in some kind of robotic form. And uh, so I watched a video on it. They, they created the, the founder of the foundation. They, they used his wife. Her name was, uh, I can't remember, but anyway, it's called Bina48 is the name of this robot. And it's basically a bust that sits on a table and you talk to it. And it has little head movements and, and is supposed to be mimicking the creator or the, I mean the creator's wife. So I watched a video where the creator's wife came in and sat down and had a conversation with her digital duplicate. And it was kind of weird, uh, to say the least. Uh, uh, and also, to say the least, they have a long ways to go yet. Uh, haven't quite got it down as the head kind of moved like this. And, you know, like that wasn't, wasn't real smooth, you know, uh, by any means. Uh, but anyway, so that they, she has this conversation with it, and there's all kinds of questions that uh, it just didn't seem to grasp the meaning of them and all kinds of other things, which is to be, uh, I think, expected and anticipated. But the reason I bring it up is that they've had 56,000 people who have brought their, have come to the foundation, to the Terrasem Foundation, and they have offered their information and, and, and brought their information and getting a clone made of themselves digitally. Because they want to live forever. You see, there's this thing that is in us, this desire that is in us, that we want to be immortal. And I mean, and we, we try to achieve it in so many different ways. We, we, uh, why do we think we make headstones out of stone? We make them out of stone because it, it endures for for literally centuries, you can go over to Europe and you can see gravestones for people that have been dead for hundreds of years. It's enduring. So we're, we're trying to make a statement about ourselves that will live on after us. And there's something within us that, that wants and craves for mortality. In fact, many would suggest that we have children because it's an opportunity for us to live on through our children. That our name and our, and our accomplishments and our life goes on because of our children. And there's something within us that wants to be able to extend beyond the natural expiry date that we know is on this package. Right? And so we try to find ways to, to advance that and to, to work through it. And, and, you know, even 32% of atheists and agnostics believe in the afterlife. Now, I'm not sure how that works for an atheist, but uh, 32% uh, believe in an afterlife, uh, but don't believe in a God or anything else. So I'm not sure how that works. But, uh, but you know, it shows you how deep the desire is to uh, live forever. It's a desire. It's basic to human nature. And we have to understand that God gave us that desire to live forever. It's, it's part of his stamp upon us as his highest creation. And it was part of his plan that we were created to live forever with him uh, in eternity. That the first step, the creation in the garden, was just the beginning of what God had for us. Now, sin came along and it interrupted that. And, uh, but our father, as I mentioned on Friday, he had a plan to solve that before he ever created man. And that plan was Jesus. And uh, he, he had a plan that was going to restore us to himself for all of eternity. 
Today, we celebrate the completion of the Father's plan. When he said it's finished, he meant more than I'm done, I've died. He meant the work that I came to do, the restoration for humanity, it's done. All I got to do now is just wait for resurrection power to be manifested because I've completed the task that was set before me. Humanity gets restored because I have died and I want to raise victorious. All right, hear me this morning. <clears throat> this means that we have been restored to the place that we were created for. You were created to live with God forever. That's why, how God created us. He created us. These desires, everything within us that wants to perpetuate itself and to advance itself and to express itself long beyond our time here on earth is, is an eternal desire that was written in our DNA by God himself. By God himself. And that we have been placed on this earth with the uh, ability, the ability to experience his restoration and to live out that eternal purpose that God had for us. And that is awesome. And that was accomplished on Easter Sunday. The second thing I want to talk to you about is the victory that we have because of the resurrection. During the 1800s, uh, the French general George Mueller Messina, uh, took or who took orders from Napoleon, he arrived uh, at a quaint uh, but militarily important Austrian town. And his 18,000 soldiers were outside the town and they were gearing up for the invasion and the stunned citizens of the town uh, knew that they were outside the town and, uh, and they had no means to be able to defend themselves. And so finally they're like, what do we do? And the, and the, the, the pastor of the town just said, we should go to church because it's Easter Sunday. And we should just go to church. What else can we do but worship the Lord? So they went into the service, and as part of their tradition, they lit smoke, and the, the smoke rose up through the chimney, uh, uh, you know, symbolizing that, that life was rising up to God. And uh, they, they did that, and the army on the outside of the city saw the smoke rising up from the church and thought that it was a sign that the Austrian army had come and had, had liberated or, or protected the town, and so they turned around and they left. They left. Because they thought the town was pr protected. And all they did was worship God. Amen? All they did was worship God. And I, I, when they opened the doors after the service and they walked out and they went up to the top of the hill and looked, the army had fled. They'd left stuff behind and everything and they did nothing but gather together and worship God. And I believe that, you know, just as Napoleon's army was defeated simply by the power of resurrection life, I believe that our enemies are defeated the same way. I believe that as we rejoice and celebrate what Jesus Christ has done in our life, the enemy is defeated. Amen? I believe he is defeated. I believe that he doesn't have a chance when he stands in front of the faith of people who regardless of pain, regardless of suffering, regardless of difficulty, who stand in the face of it all and declare that he is risen, declare that he is king, that he is all-powerful, that he is our God. Hallelujah. When we enjoy, celebrate the victory, the enemy has to run. When we enjoy, celebrate what Jesus has done, the enemy absolutely must run. Amen? We have the same victory in our lives that Jesus experienced. He was the first fruits of many, and we rise victorious as well. We are victorious people. 
There is no enemy that's quite as strong, quite as strong as faith when it's accompanied with joy. And we have so much to be joyful about. Amen? So much to be joyful about. And when the enemy comes up against us, a people who are, who are filled with faith and manifesting it in joy, he has a tough time. And let me give you just some real practical examples of it. Have you ever noticed that when, you know, something happens, like supposing, uh, I don't know, you're standing in, in line up at a store and you uh, accidentally, you stepped in front of somebody, didn't realize that they were in line. Have you ever had this happen before? And the person goes, hey, that was my spot. And you don't turn around and say, well, who cares, right? But instead you say, oh, I'm sorry. Hey, go ahead. You know, they, they calm right down. Oh, well, okay. Or you say, well, I'm sorry. I didn't see you there. Oh, 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 oh all right. You see how when you react, in a, in, in, not, not in the same way that they react, but when you react with this kind of just peaceful demeanor, with a big smile on your face, it disarms them. You ever notice that? I have had people come at me and just be right over my desk yelling and screaming and I just look at them and smile and uh, you know just look at them and say well you know that God loves you it's amazing it's amazing that when you are carrying the presence of God and it's manifest in joy it's hard for people to be miserable around you it really is I love it when somebody's in a really miserable mood and they're just being you know, not because they, they're upset about something traumatic that happened in their life, but they're just being a drip. You know people like that, right? They're just being a drip, right? And when they're just being a drip, you come and you, you, you confront that drip with life. Isn't it amazing what happens? You know? Uh, you, can, you can help people lift them right out of that, that mire that they're in just with your countenance. When you uh, bring forth faith and joy, it's like they don't, they don't have a chance. They don't have a chance. And I think that we need to understand the power there is when we're facing difficult circumstances. And, and uh, you know, and when, when you bring that kind of life. I remember reading the story once about a guy who was just one of these positive people. Always positive, positive, positive. And he worked in, for a construction company. And so he ended up falling uh, three stories. And he, he fell on the ground and, and they thought he was, he was going to die. But they, they, they did find a pulse. So they put him in the ambulance and... They said his back was broken and all this stuff, and, and they bring him in, and they, and, and they don't realize that he's conscious. Like, his eyes are swollen shut and everything, but he can hear what they're saying. And uh, anyway, they, they uh, finally are working on him and everything else, and then one of them sees his eye fluttering, and they realize, oh, maybe he is conscious. And they said, excuse me, they, excuse me, sir, sir. And then he goes, uh, yes. And they said, is there anything you're allergic to before we start surgery? And he says, Gravity! And they just stood back and started to laugh. They're like, how is this guy lying here in this kind of shape able to have that kind of sense of humor? And then they said, uh, and they said what, what can we do for you? And then he said this. He said, operate on me like I'm going to live, not like I'm going to die. Now that is a positive attitude. Amen? And when I meet a doctor, I want that doctor who's going to operate on me to operate on me like I'm going to live, not like I'm going to die. I want him to be on his A game, his best day. And if I can help him get there with my attitude, then I'm going to have a good attitude. That's the way I'm going to approach it. Amen? And, uh, and that's the power we have when we walk with Christ. We have the power to change and shift the environment with our attitude. 
Because the enemy cannot handle faith and joy mixed together. Amen? Well, uh, I'm going to be done here a little early, which I know you guys are all shocked. That's rare. Uh, if, if the candidates want to go out and you guys want to get ready and then come on up here to the front, that would be fantastic. Uh, so you guys can go out and get changed right now. That would be great. Uh, and then um, we'll start the baptism here in a couple minutes. But we have to see that victory is ours because of the resurrection. And if we miss that point, I think we miss just about everything. Paul said, if you miss that point, you're still in your sins. You are still walking around living a subhuman experience if you miss that point. If Jesus isn't raised, then I don't even want to be a Christian. What did you say, Pastor? If he's not, if this is just, as I said on Friday, if this is just another self-help club, if this isn't about celebrating the, the God of the universe who came and gave his life and rose from the dead, if we're just another self-help club, then my, my fee's not high enough. I, I need to start charging some serious coin because if the only thing I have hope for is this life, then I need to be spending far more time on the beaches of the world. And uh, the only way I got to do this is I'm going to I'm gonna have to start coming up with a better upcharge fee or something for this motivational thing that we're doing, right? But that's not what we're about, amen? We believe the Bible and we believe the scripture that Jesus was not some guru, but Jesus was the son of God who gave his life for our sins and rose victorious from the grave and has become the first of many who will follow, who will be his uh, duplicates, his copies. We will be like him forever and ever. Someone say amen. amen. Now, if you still want to give me a raise, that's okay, but I'm just saying that's not what it's all about for this guy. It's about what Jesus has done for me. Amen? Praise the Lord. Jesus rose in a victory. And when he did, he established victory for us as well. Now, here's where I want to just camp for just a, a minute or two as we close out this morning. Jesus provided victory for us. But I don't believe that victory starts when we get to heaven. I believe that victory started the day that I said yes to Jesus. Because when I said yes to Jesus, Tom and I were talking about this after the service on Friday. When I said yes to Jesus, uh, you know, that's when I mentioned on Friday, that's when I died. But the, one, the person that came into being at that point was the new me. The Bible says, any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, everything has become new. And this new person that I am is way different than the old person. And we were talking about just how filthy of pigs we'd have been if we'd have never met Jesus. But we realized that because of Jesus, we're very different people than we would have been. And because of Jesus, here's the thing you have to understand. We have a victory today that we did not have beforehand. Because of Jesus, we walk in a life of victory today. Everybody say today. today. That is a precursor of what we will live in forever. Does everybody understand that? In other words, what we're getting right now as we experience the victory of Jesus daily in our lives is preparation. I was going to say training, but it's, it's not really like it's work because it's all by faith. So, you know, but it's preparation for what will come in eternity. Amen? It's preparation for what God has for us as we 
go forward into the next step of our journey. I tell my wife all the time, she has it so good here because she's married to me that when she dies and goes to heaven, she won't even notice a difference. <laughs> right? I mean, come on. <laughs> so, it, it'll be a slight upgrade for her, but, you know, it's going to be for her just like going from one right into the other. It's like, you know, that, that's what it's going to be like. And, and, you know, the truth of the matter isn't far off for every one of us in Jesus, that one day we go to sleep victorious and we wake up victorious in another place. Are you hearing me? In a, in a new body. But guess what? Victory to victory. Paul says we move from strength to strength. Hello? Am I making sense to anybody here this morning? And so the, the, the transformation that takes place in my life is not just for eternity, it's for today. And that's why when, if you walk around as a Christian and you're still miserable, you're not doing it right. You're not doing it right. It's time to get your eyes off of yourself and off of all the, the, the stuff and get them back on Jesus. And you're saying, well, that's for you sake because nothing bad ever happens to you. You don't know that. You don't, you don't, you, you, I mean, there's bad things happen to everybody. I've been reading George, Jordan Peterson's book. Anybody read his book, 12 Rules for Living? The psychologist in Toronto. Anyway, never, doesn't mind, matter. But anyway, he says this. He, he questioned his faith. He walked away from his faith as a, as a young uh, teenager. And, uh, and then he... Um, uh, he thought maybe the answer was going to be in socialism, and then he realized that, you know, the only difference between socialism and, and capitalism, he says that they're both in love with money. He said the soldiers just have a different idea about who should control it. And, uh, and then he, he said, so I, I tossed that all out, and then he goes, then I started to go on this quest for meaning, and I, the only universal thing I could identify was human suffering. He said that suffering is everywhere. And he goes, and then I began to look at it saying, well, if, if the only equal equation is suffering, then, then what is my purpose in living? And he came to the conclusion that our purpose is to help alleviate suffering in other people and for future generations. And then as he began to go through that process, he realized that he started to come around back full circle. I don't know if he's back as a believer quite yet or not, but he's awful close because he's come back around. And he said, you know, the reality is that the, the, the sacred text, the scriptures, and, and, and what the Bible tells us is the, is the best pathway to alleviate suffering. Are you hearing me this morning? This is what we get from Jesus. We get this kind of revelation of who we are and what Christ has done for us. Amen? And uh, Peterson, I think at this point, is, as I would say all the time, he is not far from the kingdom. Amen? He is not far from the kingdom. He's just this close. And uh, he's on the edge. And... Uh, I'm excited about what's coming for him. Hallelujah. Well, I'm going to put a quote up on the screen, <clears throat> and I'll end with this this morning. Sorry. Uh, yeah, got that. Yep. Okay, here's what it is. Romans 8.37 says this. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. So at the end of the day, because of the resurrection, I am more. Everybody say more. more. I am more than a conqueror. I am more than a conqueror. I haven't just won. I've gotten more than just winning. I have the ability to walk in victory every day. And this is the quote I want to put up on the screen. Through the resurrection, Jesus achieved more than victory over the grave. He provided ultimate victory for the church and established her authority, providing all that she needs to extend his kingdom on earth right here, right now. In the resurrection, we all win. 
Amen? Everybody say, we win. Everybody say, we win. Amen. We win. That is the truth. And I know that's hard for some people to swallow, but it's the truth nonetheless. We win. How many like winning? Well, then, be in prayer for the Leafs today. <laughs> uh, haven't beat the Bruins in a playoff series since 1958. That's longer than since it went, been since they won the Cup, because they won the Cup in 67. So how many know that's a long time? So that's a, that's a big, heavy monkey on your back you got to get rid of. But I believe today is the day. <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, we're so excited to be able to share baptism today. We have uh, three candidates today that are getting baptized, and uh, we're thrilled. And uh, can someone just tell Pastor Mark, because you got the kids coming down here yet? They're on their way? All right, perfect. All right, they're going to be coming down. And, you know, people say to us, uh, why do we baptize uh, people in water? Why do we, we do full immersion baptism? Well, first of all, we do it because it's biblical. Uh, in the New Testament, uh, from the time of Christ on, even Jesus himself was fully immersed and baptized. And, uh, and he said he did this as a, as a symbol. He did this as a testament uh, that John the Baptist's work was done and his time had now come. But then as we go through the New Testament, we see the disciples practicing full immersion baptism with those who came to Christ. And, you know, and the Bible talks often about baptism. But we don't believe that people are saved because they're baptized. We believe they're baptized because they are saved. That this is a public testimony of what Christ has already done in my life. This is us publicly saying that because I have been washed by the blood of Christ, I am now symbolizing that by being washed in this water. As my old life was immersed in him, my old self is immersed in the water. I come up to new self. These are, are uh, ways in which we symbolize what Christ has done. And then the Bible also says that it's, the regeneration comes by the washing of the word. Can I encourage you today to be, become people of the Bible? You know, people say, well, how do you memorize all that scripture? It's not hard when you actually read it. I'm just saying you know, I don't actually have a scripture memorization program, and I don't actually set out to memorize certain scriptures every week. It kind of just happens because I end up reading it a lot. And uh, when you read the scripture, it gets into you. And the Bible says that the word of God has a washing effect on our life, that we are cleansed through the word. And we know that one of the names of Jesus is that he is indeed the word of God. Amen? So praise the Lord. This is what baptism is all about. This is what baptism symbolizes. And so we're very, very excited about that today. Praise the Lord. We have three people being baptized today. And uh, we have two adults and one child. Right? Young lady. Yeah, young lady. How old are you now, uh, Lily? Oh, yeah. Okay, not a child anymore. She's officially a teenager. Uh-oh. Mom and dad get seatbelts, you know. Uh, she's officially a teenager, so, yeah. Not a child anymore. My fault. Are you guys ready? You have a teenager now. You have two teenagers now. You have Wesley too, so oh my word. You have a teenage daughter though. That's a whole new level of stress and anxiety, let me tell you, right there. <laughs> Praise the Lord. And we're very excited to be able to uh, uh, have Lily being baptized today. And then uh, we have Richard and Irene also being baptized today. And with a name like 
forger, which is spelt forget. I mean, you can't, you can't forget these people. Do you know what I'm saying? When the, when the name is forget, it's, it's hard to forget. So uh, it has a powerful impact on, on you. So we're going we're gonna to start with ladies first. And uh, Mark, do you want to go first? And uh, we're going to have Lily come on up, and, and you'll start with the young. We'll see how cold the water is by the expression on her face. <laughs> What's the you good with this? Cool. All right. Um, yeah, once again, it is my honor and privilege to uh, be able to baptize kids that I've seen come up through Kids Church. And uh, Lily is, uh, she's a doll. She really is. And uh, she has uh, got so much life. She's so creative. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just... When she'd seen her at the Christmas play, the kids did great with her, with her, the ventriloquist and the puppet. She's always thinking yep. and trying to be better and creative and using it to honor God, which is really cool, too. So when she asked me if I would, be, uh, would baptize her this Sunday, I was totally blown away and honored to be able to do this. So um, I'm going to ask her parents to come up here because, yeah, <laughs> Sarah and Jeremy are amazing parents. And I know they want to be a part of this also. So I'm just going to let you share with the people this morning uh, why you're doing this. Awesome. Um, I'm here to get baptized because my faith is in Jesus Christ. I believe that he died for my sins and rose again on this day over 2,000 years ago. I think that God is really awesome and I'm excited to be baptized and to continue my walk with him. To me, this is not only a profession of my faith, but a commitment to God that I won't walk away from him and that I'm going to live the rest of my life for. Amen. Amen. (laughs) All right. Well, Lillian, because of your public declaration of your faith today, we baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. How many notice our brand new tank? We can now accommodate seven foot people. So we've, uh, we've upgraded. We're expecting some giants. And we've upgraded and we're ready to go. Praise the Lord. I'm going to ask Irene if she'd come up. Ladies before gentlemen. We'll have Irene come on up next. All right, come on up here. <laughs> you can just take your, if you want to take your sweater off, just step right in the tank there, Irene. Bought her flip-flops, too. That's good. Day at the beach. <laughs> All right, step in there. Just look straight at the front of the wall there. And, and, and Irene. Cold. Yeah. <laughs> yes, indeed it is. Uh, Irene. Uh, what is your testimony today? I don't know what testimony is. What is your, what, what, why are you being baptized today? Because I want to give my life to God. Amen. Amen. And you want to serve him your whole life? Yes. Amen. All right. Okay, so I'm going to take your right hand and pull, pinch your nose with it like that. That's good. And move down to this end of the tank. All right, bend your knees a bit. Irene, because of your confession of faith in Jesus Christ, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. <laughs> All right. Now, 
Time for Papa Richard to come on up here. You're taking those boots off, I hope. <laughs> All right. All right. Richard, could you just uh, tell us why you're being baptized today? Well, it's just, I'd like to give my life to, uh, to Christ. And uh, I've, uh, I've been baptized when I was a kid. And I don't know if uh, it's really... Uh, Right, so I believe that this is the, the proper way of doing it. That I am dedicated my life to Christ, and, uh, and He's with me. Amen. He's with Amen. you. Amen. Amen. All right, hop in there, champion. Let's go. <laughs> we seem to get that response from everybody. All right, come on forward here, Richard, and that way we can lay you right down. All right, there you go. Put your arm up there. I, I thought you said it's going to be warm. <laughs> Uh, well, I don't remember saying it was going to be warm. I don't remember that promise. But uh, uh, Richard, according to your confession of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. There we go. Woo! Yeah! <laughs> there you are, my friend. Woo! You right there. Praise the Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Let's stand together this morning. Praise the Lord. You know. I'll be in the back doors for first time guests. Okay. Praise the Lord. You know, there is no more exciting moment than giving your life to Jesus. Now listen, anyone who's not been baptized before, the tank's here. We're ready for you right now. Uh, not sure what you would do going home. You might be sitting in your wet clothes on the way home. But uh, uh, we, we do baptism services several times a year, and whenever there's uh, people who come forward and say they want to be baptized, then we get a number together, and we do the service. So uh, we're ready. If you've never been obedient to the Lord and been baptized in water before, we encourage you to do it now. Because it's a testimony of what God's saving grace is, and every person that's here gets to hear the sermon of your life. Amen? And then the Bible says that we as witnesses are here now to hold Irene and Richard and Lily to their confessions today. Amen? We get to help mom and dad with Lily. That's going to be an important part right there. But also, no matter what your age, we help each other in our journey in Christ. Amen? That's what we do. Father, we just thank you for this beautiful day. We thank you, Lord, for what has happened in resurrection power. We give you glory today. It's a great day to be in the presence of the Lord, and we thank you. Father, we ask for your grace to be upon every life as they leave. Lord, may they experience the favor of the Lord in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're visiting with us. Pastor Mark is going to be at the uh, door. He would love to meet with you this morning. He's got some information for you. We'd love to have, uh, to give you a gift. That's all, all available. Just see Pastor Mark at the door as you're leaving. God bless you. Have an amazing day. Yeah, watch the floor. It could be slippery going out.